everyone. Welcome to the Happiest Pod on Earth. I'm Ariel. And I'm Steph. And I'm Chance. And we're Disney fans, but we're really so much more than that. Like, I'm an educator who uses her passions and fandoms to help my students grow and learn about themselves and the world around them. And I'm a mental health therapist who uses clients' passions and fandoms to help them heal and achieve for mental wellness. And I'm a writer and filmmaker enamored with fantasy and the power of imagination who is the accidental member of several fans. And Happiest Pod is a place where we dissect Disney mediums with a critical lens. And why do we do this? Because just like we are more than just fans, we expect a lot more from the mediums we consume. So everybody, what Disney medium are we dissecting today? Well, seeing that last time we talked about spooky season, we're going to dive a little bit deeper and talk about villains and what makes them fantastic and great. And bum, bum, bum. <laughs> yes, dun, dun, dun. <laughs> um, not pew, 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 because it's more like dun, dun, dun. Um, and joining us is our good, good friend, extended family, and welcome guest, Chance. Yay! Yay. Now I can do pew, pew, pew. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for having me, you guys. I'm really excited. Yes. Oh, I feel like it's a long time coming. We, we've been talking about having you on here, but it never came into fruition until now. So I'm super excited. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Do you want to talk a little bit more about what you do, Chance, to give our listeners a little intro um, into the world of Chance? Sure. I mean, it's kind of more like, what don't I do? Uh, but Touche. For the, for the sake of an intro, um, yeah, I'm, I'm a filmmaker. I'm a storyteller. Um, I've, uh, I'm probably best known for my digital series, Pretty Dudes, um, which I've now turned into uh, a book mm-hmm. and an EP and all kinds of stuff like that. <laughs> I love to write books. I write music. Yeah, I just I really love being able to build and create worlds which um, I think probably stems from all the Disney movies I watch. (laughs) And he is a fantastic singer. Yes. Yes. And dancer. Yes. And dancer. (laughs) And all around performer and creative. We love it. Yes. Yes. Thanks. I, I don't dance that much unless I'm dancing with you guys. <laughs> <laughs> so in talking about villains, I'm curious, why do you all think that people like villains? Because I will say that there is a, a villains uh, takeover, surgeons, uh, fandom. There's a whole community of people who um, that's their jam. So I'm curious why you think that is, because historically villains have been the villain, the bad guy. I mean, you're wearing a villain shirt, Ariel, from what I can see. <laughs> so you're definitely <laughs> repping the set right now. Dressed and press. <laughs> yeah, just, which is funny because you're wearing the Hocus Pocus shirt and we talked about Hocus Pocus last <laughs> podcast. Well, whatever, but. It's a callback. It was a callback. It's a callback. I like that. We're already creating our own worlds within this podcast. Um, I love villains because without villains, there's no story. I mean, they are flawed individuals, just like all of us. They're super relatable once you get to think about why they are the way they are. And a really good villain serves as the perfect foil. It's the perfect person to highlight the goodness of the protagonist. Also, it kind of, you know, is a balance to the story. I think whenever I'm, you know, talking about literature, especially in my classroom, and we're talking about protagonists and antagonists, you need to find that balance in order to understand all aspects of the story at the most basic level. So, um, I think focusing on the villain, giving them as much attention as you are the protagonist is equally important to understand a story and where it's going. Okay. How about you, Chance? Yeah, I I, I was kind of uh, mulling this over earlier. And I think that what happens is 
villains are almost like a blank canvas. You can make villains as interesting, as vibrant, um, as as weird and unique as you want because they're going to be grounded by whoever your protagonist is. Okay. And I think depending on um, the skills or the intent of, of whoever's telling the story, sometimes that turns into the villains becoming the most interesting character um, for many different reasons. Sometimes it's because there's a backstory that you can fill in, you know, yourself, or sometimes just, you know, they have the best song or the best outfit. <laughs> Very true. I, th- I think, you know, even, just looking at superheroes as well as as well as you know fairy tales, you know you just have so many great villain characters, um, and you're excited when they show up because this this villain has this kind of attitude, and I think mm. that's really easy to kind of um, latch onto as a viewer or a fan. Yeah, yeah. So I had attended a panel over a virtual online panel over the summer because we're in a pandemic um, at uh, Tags, which is the therapeutic. Uh, Geek and Gaming Summit, Therapeutic Alliance, Geek and Gaming Summit. We just kept saying tags. <laughs> it was a lot easier. Um, and uh, the therapist who uh, was one of the first presenters had Welcome to the Dark Side, Exploring Villains and Their Use in Therapy. Um, therapist's name is, I'm going to butcher this up, but I'm going to try. Uh, Maria Lacrea Diego. We're going to go with that. Uh, But Maria, she did a great job explaining why uh, people like villains. And it's the same thing that you um, all are saying. They're flawed. um, They're necessary uh, in order to be able to have a hero. uh, And um, they we can give them quirks. We can adapt them. We can change them. They get to be more vibrant um, and fun. They're more exciting. Uh, They're almost larger than life. They have unlimited amount of resources. Um, They live with a purpose and drive and they get their needs met without a And uh, something that she mentioned in that training that really stuck with me was that disenfranchised individuals um, don't get to live without apology. Mm. They don't get to live with unlimited resources. Mm. Um, They don't get to be larger than life. And villains have these qualities that are essentially coveted and really genuinely appreciated. Um, Whereas a hero is rarely flawed and usually often perfect. We're seeing heroes change now, and we're also seeing villains change now. But when we think of someone who's just born into heroism for disenfranchised people, that is not something that that could be seen or understood to just be born and gifted with these things that make you essentially perfect and do no wrong. Instead, you really have to fight to cultivate those resources and harbor them and hold them close. So a villain, really, their narrative arc is a little bit more in aligned with people who don't see themselves as someone that just naturally gets what they want. Mm, yeah, I, co- I co-sign that. I, I, I definitely think there's a big overlap between how villains are represented and and how that interplays with people from like marginalized backgrounds. Mm-hmm. Also kind of, you know, what I was saying about like back back stories that you get to fill in yourself. Like we don't know why some villains are considered outcasts or, mm-hmm. you know, what made them so feared. And if we know anything about human nature, it's probably... It's probably no good reason. None. <laughs> that this person has been feared and outcast. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, that was my connection with Scar. Like, Scar was very clearly the gay uncle. <laughs> okay. Okay. Yes. <laughs> they never say why Scar, you know, he's supposed to be a terrible person. I'm like, he is the gay uncle. So you guys don't want him around. Like, I understand. Yeah, you you ostracized him uh, yeah. because he was different. And mm-hmm. that, of course, made him feel ostracized. 
Um, he was, and literally even within the pride, he wasn't living with the pride. He was off on his own. And that, um, if we're thinking of, um, uh, lions and if we're thinking of, um, those types of creatures, uh, or just any, um, animal, uh, a herd's going to keep you safe. A pride's mm -hmm. going to keep you safe. Community mm -hmm. keeps you safe. Yep. So when your family and your community ostracize you, that really tends to be internalized and sometimes makes you vilify yourself. Mm -hmm. And I think, yeah, li listening to that narrative and seeing that there is a shift to finding out about the backstories of these villains with the resurgence of the live action Maleficent, mm -hmm. Cruella, mm -hmm. even like once upon a time when we like found out about Regina and like where she came from. Um, also, maybe even the success of Wicked, which isn't a Disney story, um, seeing that, you know, people really connected to those marginalized um, storylines. I think that's giving a new life and a new perspective and a new lens on what we view as a villain and understanding, empathizing even why they are the way they are um, instead of just writing them off as somebody who's different. Yes, it, it goes back to, you know, with villains being flawed, that's more relatable to humans because mm -hmm. we are not perfect. We are flawed. Um, it's it's a real it's a more realistic storyline and sometimes more believable than we have um, uh, with our heroes that uh, just uh, are, again, usually portrayed as perfect or um, if they have to make tough decisions, they somehow always make the right one. Uh, and that's just we may have good intent all the time and we don't ever make the right decisions. Yes. Yeah. And talking about, again, villains, we have different definitions of them. So these are the definitions I got from the training that I want um, you all to sort of think about and consider. Um, usually a definition of a hero and a villain today can be seen on a spectrum um, with the hero at one end and the villain on the other. And in between, you may have um, a, a few different others. So in this podcast, we're going to use a blanket term villain, but you can sort of keep these other uh, titles in your head. So a hero is someone who is admired by others for doing something brave or good. That's kind of like that blanket statement. Mm -hmm. Then you have anti-villains who have characteristics and values that are noble, but how they strive to achieve these goals are questionable or, you know, even abhorrent. And so I think of Thanos and I think of Killmonger. Right. Yeah. Good example. I consider them more anti-villains. Yeah. Definitely. Yeah. A lot of that pops up a lot in, in Marvel stories, more yes. so than classic Disney villains, for sure. OK, so an antagonist is an individual who opposes the hero and can often get in the way of the hero achieving their goals. Can you think of any villains or um, uh, antagonists that might fit this? Um, like actual like opposition? Mm-hmm. That would be Ursula. Yeah. Okay, okay, Ursula. All right, all right. I don't know. For me, I was thinking of Sid from Toy Story. He wasn't really out to get Buzz and Woody, but he definitely was in the way. Mm, okay. Because he was an obstacle. I was thinking like about the parents from Luca. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Which, of course, I would I would go to the queerest example I could find. <laughs> um. No, but you know what? I I love that example because they're a different type of roadblock to Luca. Yeah, they oppose his his goals. Yeah. All right, the other two, um, next is anti-heroes. They're main characters, but they do not have qualities that are considered typically heroic. And they could be morally bad or even simply ordinary. That's definitely the homie from, um, what's, the, what's the recent one that, that just came out? Uh, Ryan the Last Dragon. Oh, yeah. Um, Namari? 
Yes. Namari yeah, right? with the good hair. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> she had good hair. <laughs> Any you can think of stuff? This one stumped me because I couldn't come up with anti-heroes in my mind. Every time I hear anti-hero, I think Deadpool or like oh, yeah. Venom or, you know, somebody who's like, I am the anti-hero. Like, that's literally in the tag of their name. But when I think of classic Disney movies or like animated Disney movies, I mean... I, I don't know. It's going to take me a minute. So branching out, going into Star Wars, is Kylo Ren an antagonist or an anti-hero? <laughs> <laughs> he is a flawed individual. He is a flawed character. <laughs> when he didn't have a shirt on, I was like, my guy, my guy. <laughs> he's a, he's a, he, I, I feel like depending, because different people wrote him, I feel like some people wrote him as an anti-hero and some people wrote him as an antagonist. Okay. Mm-hmm. That's that's kind of what I saw. I thought I thought he was very interesting, layered, flawed antagonist. But I could I, it felt like some of the screenwriters and directors were really trying to make him an antihero, and I just wasn't I wasn't buying it personally. Yeah, and I think it's right that you mentioned that different people were writing these stories different ways because mm-hmm. I think that is what's kind of messed up about the continuity of Star Wars and that's a whole nother conversation in itself but <laughs> when we are reducing them I mean not reducing them when we're all breaking down to them to their basic levels of storytelling it's hard for us to pinpoint because it, it has changed hands so many times right yeah you'd have to pick like uh Kylo from this movie versus Kylo from that movie yeah and I feel like especially with the anti-heroes what you have, because that's kind of more of a modern concept, even though antiheroes have been, you know, around in literature for eons. But you can really just kind of see, I guess, where pop culture attention goes to, because the antiheroes really are like the live action adaptations of the villain stories. Mm-hmm. Like, like Angelina Jolie as Maleficent, that's an antihero. Yes. yes. Whereas, you know, animated Maleficent is mm-hmm. like <laughs> an yeah. outright antagonist, evil person. Could antiheroes be like Black Widow's family? Hmm. Like Red Guardian, Yelena, yeah. and Rachel uh, Wise. Oh, <laughs> no, she was the Iron Maiden. Yeah, Iron Maiden. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I would say so. Okay, I could see that as uh, antiheroes because they don't have um, heroic qualities. I mean, Yelena, I guess, uh, gets them in the end or earns them. Yeah. Um, but for the most part, they don't have a heroic qualities they do seem to be morally bad yeah um i mean going even further you can even put winter soldier in that context right yes yes bucky is winter soldier not the white wolf bucky in therapy bucky (laughs) (laughs) prior to therapy after therapy um okay the final one is the classic villain so the main character but is morally bad or responsible for causing trouble or harm and is often adversarial to the hero Mm-hmm. So very different than just a, a, like opposing them or having opposing views, but mm-hmm. intentionally adversarial. Well, that's more Ursula, for sure. Uh, Ursula, um, I mean, pretty much the classic villains from the princesses. <laughs> yeah, yeah, like, yeah. The classic, the classic way that the uh, the villains have been drawn uh, over time. <laughs> <laughs> Didn't. <laughs> That was that was an aerial pun right there. Thank you. <laughs> I appreciated that. Yeah. Captain Hook. Yeah, definitely Captain Hook. I think after like taking this panel, um, which I, again I, I highly suggest for our listeners, um, I I loved hearing that spectrum. I I think again in looking at at narrative and me being a narrative therapist, um, we tend to want to have 
our stories say something about ourselves and having a variety of terms to help us identify a villain in our life actually makes it a lot easier. So um, after taking this panel, I started doing more villain work in my um, therapy. And some of the things that I noticed was that it was really hard for individuals to find the villain in their life because all only image they had was a classic villain. And I don't want to vilify people. I don't want people to be like, I don't want to see them as evil, but I do have obstacles like an antagonist mm -hmm. or I do have people like you mentioned, like family. So maybe like anti-heroes or antagonists that go against my wishes or beliefs and make it difficult for me. And so in writing the narrative in their mind that way, it was a lot more healing because it didn't feel like we were dishonoring people that we cared about, but we could be honest about the relationship not being um, uh, a partnership. That's a really interesting distinction between, you know, villain and antagonist, um, because I think so often we're engineered to think that someone's being malicious towards us. And it could just be that we have like opposing goals mm -hmm. that at some point are going <laughs> to, you know, are going to are going to come come head to head like the opposite ends of a magnet. Yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah it may not be that you actively don't want me to succeed. It may just be that you're trying to succeed at something and I'm trying to succeed at something and they are not, they, they don't, they're not, they're not conducive. <laughs> yeah. They don't fit together like pieces in a puzzle, like, and not everything does. It's imperfect. And I feel like real relationships are imperfect. You're going to, you know, go through cycles in your life. Like I see kids who are best friends with one kid one year and like not friends with that kid the next year. Mm -hmm. And that's a normal cycle of life. And that doesn't mean that you are you are flawed and they are flawed. It's just it's just a part of the circle of life. <laughs> <laughs> it, it makes me think of um, Aaron Burr and Alexander Hamilton's relationship mm -hmm. until the very end where it was like they just kept meeting and <laughs> somehow getting in each other's way and they kept meeting and getting yeah. each other's way um, where it there was no uh, it didn't appear malicious intent on either of them to try and get in each other's way or, or prevent um, uh, achievement or goals being made. Mm hmm. And I think before we talked about, and this probably was during the princess panel that we were talking about Moana's antagonist as Tafiti, like somebody who isn't even really like an entity that has like intent. Mm -hmm. It's just, it's something that, you know, she needs to defeat. And now thinking about how that was her antagonist, you could even think of finding Nemo and as the ocean and the separation being the antagonist to Marlin and Nemo not mm -hmm. being able to find each other. Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. So I think that spectrum is really important to even think abstractly yes. and not even tie being an antagonist or a villain to a certain entity. It could be something much more than that. Which is something I think a lot of the, the Pixar movies, they leave you with that feeling, even though some of them, you know, like, like up, uh, is one I can think of actually do have antagonists, like actual villains, outright villains that show up. Um, a lot of those movies almost kind of feel like a slice of life, but yeah. just like a heightened slice of life. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. These characters, yeah. You know, it's just like, oh, we're just doing our thing. And oh, no, like this, you know, look at this dilemma that we're in now. Um, and it rarely ever felt like, you know, the, Pixar at first didn't have like the great villains at the um, the Disney cartoon. <laughs> Zerg was like a joke of a villain, <laughs> yeah, which was, was awesome because I love Zerg. <laughs> he is so cheesy. Like he's like the uncle that you're just like, you need to stop, man. But <laughs> fast forward to watching Soul and mm -hmm. the 
the journey that, you know, the protagonist goes through in finding himself and finding purpose that was scary. And that was like something to fear. And it wasn't even anything he could see. It was just the thought of like never achieving your full potential Mm -hmm. and having that being what, you know, is, is what's, is his stumble to finding out, you know, what his purpose is in life. I think that really shows again how narrative is starting to be expanded more and our understanding of, um, you know, uh, child development and learning Mm -hmm. where it doesn't have to be this straightforward, this is a bad guy and this is a good guy for them to understand the narrative and what they're supposed to learn from that. Um, And I think that more um, abstraction and being able to pull and zoom out makes it easier for us to apply to ourselves. Like I can easily think of, the struggle of not feeling actualized or not knowing what my purpose is in life. Um, And that is relatable, uh, you know, even in my younger years as a little kid, I just don't consider it that. I think of it more as like, um, what am I gonna do today? Like, what what if I don't do anything interesting today? What if the day is wasted? Not being productive is scary (laughs) in this world of you need to do everything and be able to be capable of it all and, you know, I think that's even something to explore as something that, you know, shouldn't be feared, but yet it is vilified. Yes. And uh, almost extremely so, especially, you know, in recent times. I mean, it's okay to not do anything sometimes. Take care of yourself. I mean, that's definitely Tiana's problem. Yeah. <laughs> if I work hard every day, no, girl, take a break. I know. <laughs> girl, take a break. And you're a frog now. Enjoy your time in the bayou. <laughs> you're not going to get this back. <laughs> You can live off flies. <laughs> Way less cost, you know, cost effective than beignets. It's so gross. Oh, it's so gross. But yeah. I mean, now that we have mentioned so many different villains, would we like to share who our favorite villains are? Because I feel like that's also when we talked about who our favorite princesses were, that tells us a lot about who we are as individuals. <laughs> <laughs> so take a moment. Who needs a moment? <laughs> I mean, there, there's there's Maleficent and then there's everyone else. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> and tell us why. Tell us why. T- tell us why she is S rank in your book. Well, and, and I'm talking, you know, animated Maleficent. The reason that she sits at the top. Is because we don't know the reasons why she's evil. She's like, oh, I didn't get invited okay. to your party. It looked like a lame party <laughs> yes. anyway. But I'm going to curse this newborn baby because you didn't invite me to the party. And it's such an elaborate curse, you know. And then the yeah. things she does, she goes out of her way to just keep that child's life terrible. <laughs> and it's like, what? Petty with a capital P. <laughs> yes. So, yeah. So, for me, it's like, it's Maleficent. Then there's a giant gap. Then there's Dr. Facilier, and then there's everybody. Okay, what? Why Dr. Facilier? Oh, because well, he just seems so. I mean, as I, I think, I think it's the um, maybe like the the religious black person's comparison to like Catholic horror movies. It's like seeing this dude <laughs> who seems like he's trapped in this voodoo world. Um, he gets the best song. He's got the best outfit, um, and then like just to see that he seems like he's in over his head. And I just really had so many questions. Like, how did you get caught up in this? You know, what are the shadow men doing to you? Yeah. I just, yeah, I, I, I love Dr. 
So it seems that the the villains that make you say why are the ones that you like the best oh, yeah. because they take them to such extreme lengths and mm-hmm. they they are talented in their own right. I mean, like you said, Dr. Facilier had like an amazing song and Maleficent had an amazing costume and just like her just her her visuals were just all there down to the scepter and the crow, all of that good stuff. Um, but like, yeah, you ask yourself, why? How did you get like this? Yeah. Yeah. It's like the, the, the less I know about them, the more into it I am. Maybe that's because I'm a writer. You know, maybe that's what appeals to me. But I'm like, oh, oh, I have so many questions. <laughs> Do you ever fill in the blank? for yourself oh, for sure i mean like i came up with that whole backstory for scar but um <laughs> the gay uncle and that you know he because you know he he's the older brother of mufasa it seems like me and and mufasa was getting the ladies pregnant and scar wasn't so mufasa by default becomes king scar goes and lives in the cave by himself where his little annoying nephew comes and makes fun of him every day <laughs> like you turn into a bad guy too, I feel. <laughs> um, so yeah, I love I love to fill in I love to fill in those blanks. Which is why it's less fun for me when the movies do. Unless they do it like Cruella did, where with Cruella it just felt like uh, an alternate universe. It didn't really feel like a prequel the way so many of these other movies do. Um, it just felt like, oh, this is a different version of 101 Dalmatians. So I was like, okay, I can get with that. Because uh, usually yeah. whatever they come up with to fill in the backstory is not satisfying. Well, because it's very heteronormative and it's very, you know, whatever and Easter eggy. And that's not as fun as just an original authentic story. That makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. How about you, Steph? Oh, my favorite villains. And this is only because I adore them in the story. My favorite is Yzma from Emperor's New Groove. Ah, yeah! Eartha Kitt (laughs) is amazing. And I think she is just like... I'm going to be that old lady, just cranky as hell um, with my buff friend just doing things for me and like trying to find like a potion to make myself better. (laughs) Um, But I think because she was so sassy, so funny, but also just like out to destroy the city for still God knows what reason, because she wants to be at the top. She wants to be the empress, right? Yeah. Yeah. and and just going through crazy lengths in her lab. I don't know. She was just so outlandish and I loved it. I loved the spidery eyelashes, <laughs> the old school, like I, I still live in the 20s, like very, very old Hollywood. But like you're in Peru. It didn't make sense to me, but I loved it she all. Looked like, she looked like a flapper who was like 175 years old. Yes, yes. yes. But still... <laughs> still wearing the outfit her boobs are down to here (laughs) she was fabulous and she still felt fabulous but she just she 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 was in retirement but she wanted more um and i think that's why i love her and also um i i love prince john from robin hood um because (laughs) (laughs) there are just so many things wrong with prince john he is just the forgotten younger brother which is funny because normally the younger brothers always get more attention but i guess because king richard was you know being his regal self prince john was left to you know be the placeholder and he just you know wanted to suck his thumb and (laughs) want his mommy um and he just sucked as a leader (laughs) he was a crappy replacement but there he was and i'm pretty sure he may or may not want to be you know 
royalty and have that responsibility. But but there he was. He was very much like Joffrey to me, but a little bit more likable because he wasn't, you know, murdering people up in their bed. <laughs> He was just making Robin Hood's life really terrible. Um, yeah, but those are my favorite ones. I, but I, I can share the ones that I really didn't like later on. Um, so this one might not be like evil villain, maybe more of an antagonist. But I really, I always think of the matchmaker from the animated Mulan. <laughs> just the- She's just a supporting character. <laughs> she she is the reason the things happen because if she had said, you know, Mulan, you could be matched, then she'd have been matched and she wouldn't have been able to go. Okay, I, I, I don't mean to interject, but yeah. I was thinking about Mulan earlier and I was mm-hmm. thinking about how the villain in that story is 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 not anyone. It's not the Huns, but I think it's toxic masculinity. Oh, it totally is. That is the villain. And because the matchmaker is in this world where that reigns supreme and there's certain guidelines that the girls need to be a part of in order to get matched, she was just, you know, a player in the game. Yes. Yeah. She was she was an antagonist. That's fine. Uh, but I she I don't know. She's just a memorable character to me in regards to um like I, there aren't a lot of side characters that randomly interact with your hero for like a couple of scenes and then never come back again that you <laughs> don't. I've seen cosplay of her <laughs> with the ink mustache. Yes, it's the best. <laughs> I've seen um, the three little Chinese uh, kids singing the song in Chinese and being and one of them being a matchmaker and they're like five. <laughs> like she is so memorable to me. And I, I think um, I agree with you with toxic masculinity. I also think it's. For me, she represents um, uh, a lot of authority figures that um, I could never essentially satisfy or or meet the needs of or expectations of. Um, I think like I've ran into a lot of um, professors, um, a lot of supervisors that essentially treated me in a specific way that they thought that I should be treated. You only act this way. You only do this. You only say that. Like even right now, because we're doing geek therapy, I can specifically remember plenty of supervisors who told me I could not play video games with my clients. Uh, video games were evil and bad. They they were villains. Um, and uh, that was not real therapy. La, la, la. And that that's that attitude that I get from the matchmaker where it's gotcha. like, here is tradition mm. and you never change <laughs> it. I was just thinking that Gaston would be the type of person I'd be like hooking up with and telling everyone, yeah, he's terrible. <laughs> Don't get with him. He's bad. I got with him. I, I knew he was bad, but I confirmed it. I can it. tell you from experience. <laughs> I've lived experience. I mean, in that in that right, I was going to mention earlier that the one antagonist that I truly, truly hate was Hans from Frozen. I hated him. Oh, I hate him. I hated him so freaking much because he just embodied every, like, bad boyfriend every just like terrible relation just flat out liar and like with the disguise of oh yeah you know like we're gonna be you know ruling this kingdom together da, da, da. i have all these things but like a con artist i hate that yeah <laughs> and he didn't even have to like look like a villain he was just terrible at the core yeah <laughs> yeah he definitely represents like a disney version of domestic violence he wanted power and control he got power and control he used deceit and manipulation and emotional manipulation in order mm-hmm. to get it uh and the only person of everybody who's aware that he is evil and deceitful is the person that he's abusing 
Like there was no like I didn't want to know about his backstory. I did not care where he came from. I did not want to know like what his hopes, dreams and goals were. <laughs> and if he was a good person in, you know, his former life, did not care. I was like, you are hundred percent basura. Mm-hmm. You need to yes. leave. Yes, <laughs> yes, garbage person. <laughs> I, I, I kind of have similar feelings about um, the stepmother from the animated Cinderella. Mm. And I, I think just because her evil is so grounded in reality that it took a fairy godmother just to give Cinderella a chance. Yeah. You know, and just all the terrible things that happen in that movie are like things that could happen in like any home. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Like when they're ripping up her dress, I'm just like, I've seen people be that evil to other people, you know? So yeah, I so the, the stepmother isn't even like a fun villain for me. I'm just like, I can't wait for Cinderella to get out of it. And, and you're talking about animated, uh, but I do you feel that way for all the versions of the evil stepmother? I mean, it's just something like Bernadette Peters is fun. But I would say <laughs> outside Bernadette Peters, yeah, Angelica Houston in Ever After and Kate uh, in, uh, in the Kenneth Branagh version, very, very similar. But there's just been so many different adaptations of Cinderella, yes. you know, <laughs> that I, I kind of have to limit myself to which ones I feel. Because I don't even remember which ones of those are Disney. But yeah, Lady Tremaine is the one that you're thinking of with the with the poof. Yeah. Um, poof. yeah. The, the poof. Cat named Lucifer. Yeah. Evil ass cat. <laughs> yes. <laughs> the most evil. And I think like it was so hard for me to, to watch that scene when they're ripping up the dress and like having her just see her two stepsisters elevated so above her it was so hard for me to watch i mean even for me i'm i'm the eldest but you know i know having older cousins and you know older family members who you know got treated a little bit better i could i couldn't even bear to like think of how bad it could be because like you said it's so relatable it could happen in any family, in any blended family, definitely. And and the, not even blended families. Parents do, um, uh, unfortunately, antagonize siblings to harm each other. If, if p- Parents have had favorites. That's a human thing. But when they um, intentionally make it so that your sibling's abusing you and um, now you're manipulating both children because yep. uh, this this child doesn't even know that they're that they are being told to harm their sibling. They just think that this is the natural order. I'm I'm the one who must be the hero in the family, and this person's a black mm-hmm. sheep. They're the villain. Yeah, definitely. Ooh, that made me feel some things, Lady Tremaine. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, yeah, it's 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 just it's similar to Hans, right? I I really don't remember the Frozen is in this black hole of my brain. But, but yeah, because it's just another type of domestic violence, you know. Yes. Um, and and there's something I think Jafar is a fantasy, is an escape. Lady Tremaine, like that's so recognizable. It's like, oh my gosh, you know, it's not as it's not as it's not enjoyably bad. It's just bad. It's like, oh, you horrible human being. Yeah. Mm-hmm. When she's at Disneyland, I don't want to take a picture with her. No, I don't want to be around her. <laughs> She's out and about at Disneyland. She's at Disney World. She's in the parade She's with at, yeah. um with uh, the two the sisters. Two sisters. Oh, yeah. that makes sense. Anastasia. And, yeah. No. Uh, Anastasia and and the other one. Yeah. Uh, green and pink. <laughs> right. It's green not and pink. Gertrude. What is it? Drizella. Drizella. Anastasia and Drizella. But her those aren't their names. I think in the the brandy. Um, no, it's no. Minerva and Calliope. It's, that I know. Yes. Yeah. 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 <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All, all the characters are lovable in that one. I really like it. Yeah. yeah. Even if they weren't supposed to be, they were just also lovable. Yeah. <laughs> 
Yeah. Um, how about Disney's villain songs? I know you, we mentioned Dr. Facilier's songs because I think Disney villain songs have been iconic and now, you know, we love to sing them. Uh, Be Prepared was a bop through and yes. through. Yes. Um, I remember watching and I was just like, oh, this is kind of cool. Like this is this is a way cool song. And it was so fitting for like the 90s. It was just that kind of like driving sort of beat. Um, but yeah, how, can you guys think of any villain songs that you guys like? I mean, Be, Be Prepared definitely had the best choreography. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's a whole set piece. Um, I mean, of course, you got to say Poor Unfortunate Souls. Yep. Um, mm-hmm. I think I'm wrong about this. Correct me if I am. But is Ursula the first villain to get a song? Oh, good question. Um, in for uh, Disney princesses. Uh, yeah, because I mean, I know, like, I know, like, in Pete's Dragon, like, you know, they're singing, you know, it's like I gotta build a cell right here. But like, I feel like when it comes to like the bread and butter of Disney, I think Ursula was the first one after. Because it was Little Mermaid, uh, Beauty and the Beast, and then Aladdin. Cruella Deville was about her. She didn't sing it. Yeah, she wasn't singing it. Uh, yeah, that's still that's a fire song though. Oh, and then and then the cats in uh, Lady and the Tramp. The cats had the song. Oh, the the Sia, the Siamese yeah. twins. That one. It's such a short song. I feel like it's only like one verse. Short right? song is still so offensive. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yeah, so offensive. I didn't even want to say it out. Yeah, yeah. That's why I was like, the cat. The cat had a song. Yeah, the cats. The cat song. Really, um, Poor Unfortunate Souls, I think. Uh-huh. For me, up until Be Prepared, that was just like, that was the song. Oh, and then the Frollo song from Hunchback. That's intense. The Hellfire oh, song. Oh, yeah. When he's, when he's singing out his temptations into the fire. Yes. That's literal like a hell Broadway number like that would win somebody a tony award it was super weird seeing that in an animated film when i was a kid i was like this is this has got levels that i can't understand um i mean gaston's song very self-indulgent um super arrogant two parts he gets a reprise he gets a reprise it's true i i don't know if this i wouldn't say this is a fun song to sing uh but it's one that i use in therapy a lot to identify the 11 ways of gaslighting um and it's mother knows best Oh, from Tangled. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then the, I will say the song that I hate <laughs> is the shiny song. Oh, from Moana. Tomatoa. <laughs> I freaking hate that song. I hate the crab. I don't. I don't like that song. For some reason, it irks me. I don't. I don't like it. it the beat's wrong. The the lyrics. I, and I have I have friends who will sing it to me on my voicemail because they know that that's a song that I hate. But poor unfortunate souls and uh, be prepared. And now throwing friends on the other side, just because that was such a, that was such a, it was basically be prepared part two, but I'll, I'll allow it. <laughs> <laughs> I'll, I'll allow it. Oh, here you go. I found it. The first Disney tune to ever be led by a bad guy was Hi Diddle Dee Dee, sung by Honest John and Pinocchio. In the nearly 80 years since then, tons of animation's greatest antagonists have been telling their own stories through song. Yeah, so okay. Pinocchio, which I have not seen in forever. Very long yeah, time. I, I remember the scene. As soon as you say it, I'm like, oh yeah. But it also happens before. Yeah, no, no, I won't even I won't even add any any asterisks to that. That's yeah, that's the first one. Yeah. It wasn't a princess movie, but if we're talking about villain songs. Yeah. Yeah. Well, so then I'm I'm really curious. 
have your feelings towards the villains changed when you saw their live action or have um they solidified your feelings for them or do you find them as se separate like they're not they're not canon it depends okay. <laughs> cosign i cosign on that yeah it depends on the storytelling and if i even like the movie if i took mm -hmm. to it okay i know maleficent at first i did not really like the live action or maybe it's because i didn't really see it in the theater i saw it outside of the theater so mm -hmm. i probably didn't have my full attention to it but i think it was because this was in the time of oh they're gonna start doing all these live action adaptations and you know i was like in my head nothing can compare it to the original classics you know mm -hmm. they're you know like this and like that so maybe if i give it another go it might be different but also after seeing cruel and how much i like that one and like chance said alternate universe kind of perspective i enjoyed that because it built a world that i could really buy into so it depends yeah i'd say for me it depends as well for completely different reasons um <laughs> i i like maleficent more than i thought i would i thought the motivation that they gave maleficent i thought it was interesting i thought it was well done it was a unique story it tied in but I also felt like Maleficent of all the villains is the one that succeeds the best because she's just evil. So she didn't need a backstory. Okay. And then as much as I liked the Cruella movie, I didn't like this idea that like being bad or having a men mental uh, illness was like hereditary, mm -hmm. you know? So I was just kind of like, mm, and this is a cool little beatnik hip 60s. Ooh, I like the mod vibe. But then I was like, that's the, that's what they're giving. That's what they're giving the puppy killer. Okay. <laughs> mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Exactly. And I still don't see her as a villain after that. I enjoyed the story. I like what they did with her character. But if you ask me, do I still think she's a villain? Mm -hmm. Big question mark on that one until we get the next one, maybe. <laughs> yeah. Like Glenn Close as Cruella is a villain. Emma Stone as Cruella is not. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, this is that's that's definitely her journey story. So we, we don't even know. Yeah, I think um, for me, I was interested in the villain they added in Mulan of the witch. Um, I, I thought that gave a level of depth, but got lost given how long the movie was and just some of the other things in the narrative. And I feel like I would have um, enjoyed that addition more if um, it felt like she was more present. Uh, but again, I can I can feel that connection from that character as 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 a woman and feeling that direct oppression from men. Um, and I think for me, the live actions of um, Maleficent specifically, like I the there are scenes in the first movie that I use with my trauma survivor clients, specifically my surviving clients of sexual abuse, where we have so much compassion for this character, whereas I always saw Maleficent as like, a really cool look <laughs> and now it's like like um even though i don't find her as a villain in either of those live action narratives i have more compassion and care towards um the choices she made and who she is uh than i would have um given her her evilness and just being an evil person in the animated series and i think that goes back to when we recorded shang chi and talked about uh wen wu as a villain but also having his reasons of why he was so blinded by needing to get through that wall mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. it i i empathized with him at the end i mean as a parent and as somebody who you know 
like is always been taught to achieve at the highest level, no matter what circumstances. And but also giving yourself a family, somebody, you know, that you care about and love, having that taken away from you, you you know, that that's a sorrow that is, you know, immeasurable. So his motivations for, you know, just being blinded and wanting to get through that wall, you can really understand why he was just like going at it and just like not seeing anything but needing to get through that wall. So um, it's definitely evolved over over stories and over different franchises. (laughs) Definitely. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think going back to that spectrum, right? I mean, like, even if we're looking at these different stories and narratives, um, we have so many different forms of antagonists and villains, even in the stories, because we're talking about, you know, um, uh, in Shang-Chi, we're talking about his dad, but we're talking about this evil force that's behind the wall. But then we're also talking about um, navigating the modern world and family dynamics. Like we have all these layers of things that um, essentially are opposition for the hero. Uh, and so it it makes me have even more appreciation for villains having that uh, diagram in my head to be able to see that um, narrative in a certain way, to be able to expand it more than just um, the one face that's presented to you because that's the main face. Yeah. You know, that makes me think of something interesting that I'm, I want to say before I lose it, which I'm because I'm losing it right now, um, <laughs> is that, oh, here we go. A lot of times the protagonist has to deal with, I would say, emotions uh, and sensitivities that you know that that the uh, that I would say our society frowns down upon. You know, like being sad about things, being being heartbroken about things. Whereas villains are allowed just to, even if their motivation is from something kind of like tragic, tragic, their main energy is like this badass, like mow everything down kind of energy. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And so I think there's a variation of the viewer speaking for myself, of course, which is like I wish I could act like that. I wish that whenever I had something getting in my way or making me angry, I could just mow it down, you know, like like Maleficent did or like Gaston did, as opposed to having to feel my feelings and sit in it like a lot of protagonists. So I think that's depending on the film and depending on where you're at in life and what emotions you're trying to avoid. I think that's another reason that villains can kind of resonate. Yeah. Yeah. We in saying like they have drive and they get their needs met without apology. Yeah. Right. Um, if you think of you definitely think of uh, protagonists, they they have to care. Like, I can't let other people get harmed. I'm burdened by <laughs> many things um, uh, that uh, mean that I have to think of others and not myself. Um, and I have sometimes to go against my own goals because uh, I have to think of the wishes of, of, of everybody else. Yeah, I started thinking about, about like, uh, which one is it? Is it Civil War? You know, when like, Cap is just like, I'm just trying to keep my friend alive. And then, yeah. you know, and, and, and then like Tony basically is the villain in that movie. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then they really waited until like the 11th hour to give him like, I think, justifiable motivation for most of the viewers. <laughs> it's like, oh, yeah. Yeah. No, that makes sense. But everything up to that point, he didn't have that same motivation. Yeah. No. Mm-hmm. It was the Captain America show. That's why. Yes, yeah, it was. <laughs> it's Captain America uh, featuring Iron Man. <laughs> And I think that's an interesting thing that comic books do. I mean, they they pit Iron Man and 
Captain America against each other. They've pitted Batman and Superman against each other. Like these are things that challenge who is the bad guy and who is the good guy. And, you know, in these alternate universes and these variants of comic books and their stories, um, they're able to explore those things. And, you know, you can even have alternate versions like Bizarro and Superman and, you know, like having having those different lenses, I think is a really great way to kind of challenge what we know storytelling and you know how we um can basically describe things that we can relate to in everyday life because you know like i mentioned earlier not everything is so cut and dry it's Mm -hmm. not always black and white it's not good versus evil it is all dependent on your roles and your journeys in life and the intersection of those things depending on who you're around yeah i i think that that fluidity um definitely lets us have a better lens um, when we're putting those templates on our own lives um and seeing the things that are our own barriers um as well as the things that you know essentially champion us or, or make us feel more empowered i guess my hope for disney villains um now that we are in the world of disney star wars pixar pixar marvel all of those things is that i want more i want better star wars villains <laughs> i want a redo on some of them um my, those are my hopes at least and it's it, it'll be interesting to see where pixar takes their stories as we are getting more slice of life um narratives and different ways of of telling human stories and non-human stories so what are your guys' hopes for, you know, storytelling in the Disney world moving forward? I'm really enjoying redemption arcs um, and and sort of complete 180s. Uh, and I, I specifically think of like Loki um, because a homeboy, when he first came out, was like evil, evil. He was stabbing people, giggling about it. He had pure joy uh, in the fact that um, he was being more than mischievous and and chaos. He was he was being harming. Um, and uh, as the stories kept getting told, I saw his relationship with his brother. And now with even just the new um, uh, series uh, titled Loki, um, I get to actually see him be a hero and yet still have those same struggles. So he hasn't changed so much, but because he's still recognizable, but he's changed enough that uh, I don't find him as like that pure villain anymore. Um, and there's been some redemption. Uh, and I think that those are the, the villain stories that I want to see more of, just more redemption arcs, because I'm seeing it with Marvel. I'm not seeing it too much with Disney unless you're talking about live action and I don't even know if it's redemption as it is just new interpretation. Yeah. How about you, Chance? I mean, I say let them be gay. So many of them are queer coded. Might as well give a couple of them like, you know, partners. Um, <laughs> that's going to be the first drum I bang in, in every, you know, freaking um, solo you give me. But um, and but Chance, I would I would ask you to to define queer coding because I don't know if uh, some of our audience members even know what that is. Oh sure, I mean I'm not going to define it as well as you and Steph could, but it's basically <laughs> like the character has enough um, attributes that are I guess stereotypically given to to queer individuals. Like they usually are are single. Uh, a lot of a lot of the Disney villains wear purple. Um, mm-hmm. The men are very very well groomed and put together and usually a, t- a 
tad bit flamboyant, um, mm-hmm. or I should say the male characters. That if you think about um, Scar when he goes sensation, you know, like just that moment, <laughs> you can already see you see the hair flip. You look like Ariel. Even you know, Ursula was like you know uh, was based on a, a drag queen. So yeah, so there's a lot of queer coding that happens in with the with the Disney villains. I, I think of how many of them were purple, and that's just hilarious. Um, <laughs> yes. So yeah, so I say just go all out, make one of them gay for it. Because uh-huh. uh, we actually had this. Car- I still haven't seen the last dragon, but I I was talking about how it sounded to me like that character was probably because like um I don't, what's the character's name? Uh, Namari. Namari seemed queer coded to me, and and I and I was like, it seemed like that probably was like the villain. And we looked it up, and it's like in the early drafts that was mm-hmm. the villain. Like yeah, that's, yeah. that's Disney. They're gonna they're gonna make their their bad characters queer yeah and if you look at you know the storytelling she is the foil to raya Mm -hmm, and mm -hmm. she is you know her her counterpart but on the other side so it it would be right to to make that conclusion yeah yeah. make them queer um but i would say tying in more to what uh to what your actual question was and something i think they can actually do or would be willing to do is uh Similar to Star Wars, I'm excited to see some X-Men villains that are not Magneto. Mm. So uh, I'm really looking yeah, forward yeah. to, I, I mean, I'm the, the MCU is feeling a little claustrophobic because once you get so big, <laughs> then everything has to, you know. So that part, I'm not really, you know, I don't know how they're going to tie it all in. But there's so many great villains in the X-Men world that got overshadowed because of the greatness of Ian McKellen and then the hotness of Michael Fassbender. Yes. So, oh, yes. I'm really looking forward to more <laughs> X-Men villains. Similar to actually Spider-Man, they're already doing that. A lot of the great Spider-Man villains, they're finally being able to uh, bring on screen because they're making more and more and more of those movies. Yeah, yeah. I was going to say, um, Loki was too good looking for us to just leave him at that. Yeah, it's true. It's true. <laughs> we could not leave Tom Hiddleston. Once we get to live action, I'm not I'm not seeing many ugly villains. <laughs> <laughs> You're you're very right. That's interesting. That's true. They do they do pretty him up. Yeah, I mean Ultron in ways they made him look like buff, and yes. it was just like, huh? You're not even what? What's happening here? Why do I no? Stop it. Because <laughs> actually, because I forget how because they I mean that started with Glenn Close. Like I forget how mm-hmm. like bony Cruella was like in the cartoon. Yeah, she's like Isma. Yeah, because then good clothes so they made her so glamorous with all those outfits yes, and regal. Yeah, and so then I go back and look at the other cartoon. She's wearing like that ratty fur coat. I'm just like <laughs> chain smoking yeah. every like thirty seconds. Like in the cartoons, they're so much less attractive. Even yeah. Angelina Jolie is hotter than like cartoon Maleficent. For sure, absolutely. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. All right, guys, this was awesome. And I I enjoyed this so much. I wish we can go on. But I think um, our, our time is done for today. It is. Um, but Chance, we want to have you back. Yeah. You're amazing. Oh, for sure. Yeah. So if you have any um, thoughts or want to shoot us your favorite Disney villain, Dis- favorite Disney villain song, um, let us know on our Instagram at happiestpodgt and mm-hmm. on our Twitter at happiestpodgt. Um, again, thank you, Chance, for being with us. Thank you for having me. Where can people find you? Oh, yeah. Um, probably the easiest places to find me would be on uh, Twitter, at Chance Calloway, uh, and Instagram, at Chance S. Calloway. Awesome. And we're looking forward to your new works. I know you have a lot going on. Yes. Oh, yeah. I got a lot, I got a lot of it coming your way. Awesome. All right. Well, thank you, everybody, for listening in. Uh, Have a happy Halloween. Happy Halloween. Bye. Bye, everyone.